Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Hey, it's your host, Brian here, and before you listen to this podcast, I do want to provide you with a disclaimer. We do uh, pride ourselves on being a family-friendly podcast. However, we also are very honest, so there are things that we talk about that I experienced during my time in Jamaica that your kids may have questions about hearing. Um, To be specific, we're referring to the drugs uh, in Jamaica Nothing that I share in this podcast is not something that I would share with my four-year-old, but everybody does have their different parenting styles. So just know that if you're going to let your kid listen to this whole podcast, they may have some questions for you uh, about some things that I experienced in Jamaica. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and today we are going to be talking about the recent trip that I just returned from to Jamaica. Uh, It was actually just a vacation Um, But we'll talk kind of about the importance of of rest and vacation and what my experiences were there with the flora and fauna and the people and and all the good stuff. But before we get started, let's give thanks. I am thankful for having you back. I'm also thankful for the time that I had by myself. A time away from me. (laughs) Yes. So thankful. (laughs) Brian went on vacation, but it allowed me the opportunity to really just be alone for a week. I haven't had that in a long time. Helped me to reflect. Um, I was able to to really spend more time with Christ and some of the things I was building and and working on. Um, but man, I'm so glad you're back and thankful you're back. Thankful you're safe. Thankful that you had an awesome time. And I can't wait for everybody to hear about your trip. Yeah, I'm glad to share. I'm I'm glad to be back. Uh, what a blessing to be able to go on a trip like that. Uh, I'm thankful for rest and that rest is. Um, I'm not even going to use the word suggested. It's commanded by our Lord and Savior. Um, And I personally, and I think probably a lot of us in our Western culture could could, uh, say this and account for this too, I personally do a bad job of prioritizing rest. I really do. Um, We we fill our lives with busy, and it's almost a distraction that we don't deal with the things that we need to deal with. You can get so tired and drawn out that you don't even realize how tired and drawn out you were. Um, And that's kind of what I realized going on this vacation. I didn't realize how tired I was, how tired my wife was, how tired uh, even our relationship was. And and just the time to rest, to not cook, to not clean. Um, And I don't want it to sound bad, but to not even really truly worry about my children, but to rest and to do that in the outdoors in a beautiful, beautiful place with the partner that that God made and, and gave me was, um, it was it was rejuvenating. Um, not not so much like man, I I have to stay here. I don't want to go home. But just that that time to let your body and your mind and your spirit recuperate and, and rest in the Lord and spend time with Him um, and just enjoy life for a little bit. It was really nice. I bet it was. I feel like you're seeking for something to share, like. What I feel like you're you're trying to say is like a a sense of no purpose, like no plan, no nothing but true rest. Doesn't matter if you're sleeping, doesn't matter if you're doing something, but a lack of responsibility, a, a freedom to 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 do nothing, the freedom to do nothing. 
Right. Like the permission to say, I don't have to do anything right now. Yep. But, per- but permission's be. a great word because even here at home, you know, maybe we get two hours on a Sunday where we don't have to cook for our children or mow or our service our vehicle. There's something you could be doing, and mm-hmm. in the back of your mind, you still have this unconscious, man, I should probably be doing that. And You have to be diligent at home to say, I'm going to rest. But when you remove yourself from all of that, thousands of miles away, it's not even an option. So you have no choice but to rest, and it's a different kind of rest. Mm-hmm. It's true rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it really awakened to me to how much I needed it. I didn't even really think I, when I left, I didn't think I needed it, um, but I, but I did. We did, and uh, I think my, my I knew I thought my wife needed it because of all she goes through and how hard she works. But uh, we all really needed it, and uh, I mean, even the bags under your eyes, just the, the physical appearance of yourself, you you can you can see that. So, right. removing yourself from the distra- distractions, and uh, I know not everybody is able to. You know, growing up, I wasn't able to to take vacations like this. Um, and I know not everybody is able to, and I realize it is it is a blessing and a privilege for me to be able to do that. Um, and to be transparent, somebody else paid for this vacation for me. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very I'm very thankful for that, and I consider it a blessing from the Lord of His resources poured out to me through somebody else. But you can find you don't have to go to Jamaica or you don't have to get on a plane, and you can remove yourself and and maybe it is just just pinching a tent somewhere for a day or two, mm-hmm. but remove yourself from all this stuff and put yourself in, in a spiritual place in the outdoors is what I would definitely suggest and, and have some, uh, I think restoration is a great word for that. Yeah. I mean, God gives you the permission to do that once a week. He does. Yeah. Once a week. For him. Uh, yeah. Much less once a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for him, I mean, he, he truly gives us permission to that and calls it holy and, and we should. Mm-hmm. I know that there are weekends we we may not, but you need to find time to to rest in Him. And again, you have the permission to do that from Him once a week. Yeah, and the other side of that is it, it is difficult to do that when you have all these other responsibilities and things you could be doing, but you really have to kind of change the, your mindset of this thing that I could be doing or feel like I should be doing. If I don't do it, what's the consequence? somebody's life depend on it is it going to change my life is it going to change my eternity and usually the answer is no and changing your par- shifting your paradigm of how you're viewing that thing you should be can actually maybe allow you to to have some true rest maybe even in your home own home could be yeah, yeah. but everyone in your home needs to be on the same page too absolutely that's the you tough know? part yeah, yeah. if you yeah if your spouse is like uh-uh no up, you ain't going out there but yeah yeah then it then it yeah, you may have to work through that, talk that out. So I want to get into this. I've got a lot of questions for you. The first thing I want to start off by asking you and, and you getting into is how did you plan for the trip? So you already shared with us that um, some of the work had already been done. Um, it's kind of pre- pre-planned for you. This is where mm-hmm. you're going. Um, but after that moment, what did you do? What steps did you take to prepare and plan for this trip? Yeah, we, we planned the trip. My goodness, they wouldn't let us book it. We we tried booking it over a year out from the actual trip, but it had to be within twelve months. So once we got inside that, we booked we booked it. But um, through a travel agent, so they do they really do all the work. You just tell them, you pick your resort and and the time that you want to go, and they take care of all. I mean, even your transportation to and from the airport, and 
it's really kind of a cool thing. And we're traveling to an all-inclusive resort, which makes it pretty stress-free as well because once you're there, you're there. You don't worry about anything. All your meals, all of that is, is all included and taken care of, uh, which is really nice and really allows you to, to rest and relax and have no worry. Um, but once I we had picked where we were going, uh, based on suggestions from people who had been there, when it got close, I, I like to look at an aerial view of where I'm going. I've never been to Jamaica, so mm-hmm. where first, where the heck is Jamaica? Yeah, where, where is it at from where I'm at right now? <laughs> where is it? And right. where is it in relation to places that I've been? How far is it? Um, and then where in Jamaica am I going to be? And what are some of the surrounding areas? And I could really see we we're going to be on the, the very west end, uh, a place called uh, Negro Beach, which is known as the Seven Mile Beach and, and beautiful and looking at what was around there. And so I could see from the aerial view that... We were uh, we were a long ways from the airport, so I could see it, it was going to take us a while. So then I was like, "Well, how are we how are we getting from there to there?" Right, I wanted yeah. to know more about what the commute was, and so kind of looked up the company and their reputation, and knew that we were probably going to be all right. And it was it was uh, something they do all the time, but actually looking at the land. So where our resort was, and where we were staying, you had a, a highway that ran all down the coast from the airport. It was about almost a two hour car ride to our resort. And you turned right off the highway to our resort, and behind the highway, so inland, was nothing. I mean, just just jungle. And so now I'm like, all right, so we're not going to have any really options to go anywhere. And if you know anything about jungle, it's so thick, it's not something you traverse anyway. So we're going to be at the resort, and that's kind of the, the inclusion that we came from. But I did notice a very small airport, like a mile away from just one little landing strip, a mile away from our resort. So I kind of wondered what that was. And I found that out when I got there, they actually offer you from the big airport. You can pay, it was like $200 per person to get on this little airplane. If you don't like the two hour car ride and we'll get you there in 12 minutes, they say, wow. Wow. Uh, I don't like small airplanes and I don't have an extra $200 a person. So we didn't do it, but that is something they were using that little strip for. Um, and they probably use it for other things. Yeah, when you were telling me about this, that you had a two-hour, you were going to have a two-hour uh, vehicle ride. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, how ignorant in regards to them setting up this. This is where the incoming people are going to stay this far away from right. our major airport. Like that didn't make sense. But it's funny that they they kind of went halfway and was like, well, you know what? <laughs> we'll fly you there. Too. Yeah, we'll fly you there. Yeah, just yeah. a little more money. So. Maybe that was uh, maybe that was by design. Well, it, it kind of goes to the. I mean, to be honest, their infrastructure is terrible. It, it, the roads are are terrible. Uh, the way the island compared is, to compared to the United, United States, States, right? Yeah, I, probably good compared to other places. You always have to compare something if you're gonna. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. But the the way that the island sets up, I mean, and it's hard to tell just looking at it from an aerial map. But off of the ocean, it's not like you just have these big, long, straight miles of beaches. You have these big bays. So a big bay will swing in a half a mile to a mile and swing back out the other side, go around to a point, swing back in. And so to go through, and then behind all that, mountains. So you have beach, bays, mountains. And so to build roads through that, they're following the edge of these bays. So while as the crow flies, you may only be going 30 miles or less, it's going to take you two hours to get there, much less 
the traffic is is insane, and the way that they drive is. So tell us about that. You were telling me about um, oh, about there was a road pretty close to you, or the place you're staying, the resort you're staying. Um, what's it like driving on the road? What are, how are people? Are they driving on the correct side? What's that look like? Well, the the country was uh, established, I guess would be the word used by or owned at one point it was associated with with britain and then in the 60s they they gained their independence but because of that they drive on the right side of the car but the left side of the road so opposite of everything in the united states which there they kind of had the joke no we drive on the right side of the vehicle like yes it is the right but is it correct that's kind of their joke that Mm -hmm. they drive on the right side so that alone feels so different but it's almost like they don't have any rules and they're honking all the time, but they honk for different reasons. In America, it's almost like flipping somebody the the bird, right, when you're yeah. honking at them. They're honking so much, but their honking means different things. It's almost like a Morse code, like two quicks means coming up on your right. They have all the this system. So our driver kind of warned us, hey, there's going to be a lot of honking, but it's not. He used to live in America. He, he is originally from Jamaica, moved to uh, Colorado for t- 10 years and then came back. So he really understood American and Jamaican cultures, cultures and how they yeah. related, which was kind of cool. But he gave us a heads up, hey, I'm going to be honking. It doesn't mean that we're all mad at each other. But no lines on the road, cars everywhere, weaving in and out. They get very, very, very close to each other. They follow uh, a feet or a foot or less sometimes. You're following so the sure car tailgate. in front of you. You're tailgating pretty hard. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Like I would be, I wouldn't have the confidence as a driver in myself to even drive the way they they do. I mean they, and they're so calm when they're doing it, like it's no big deal. And I've been to other Caribbean Caribbean islands, and it's very very similar right. on all of them. Gotcha. So the roads not great, not not as bad as they could be, but not great. Very bumpy. Um, a lot are of you? Are there speed limits? Can they? Can you drive as fast as you want? What's that look like? There are speed limits. Some people are driving on the same road probably 30 miles an hour and some people are probably driving 80 miles an hour on the same road um, it's all metric so most most places you saw like 50 kilometers per hour or 65 kilometers per hour um, but I'll tell you this I was there for a week and two different two-hour drives I saw police stations but I never one time did I ever see police so not a lot of enforcement, it sounds like, kind of the freedom to do. Definitely felt like you could do whatever you wanted. Okay. And I, and I, we're going to elaborate more on that here shortly, so let me go back real quick. Um, we talked about how you planned for going there. We even talked about getting there a little bit. But mm-hmm. what are some things that you took um, as you packed, as you loaded, as you got ready? What did you take with you? Why did you take it with you? Um, what are some things that maybe – other people would have taken that you didn't in regards to sizes, luggage. What's what's that look like? Yeah, well, well, one thing as far as luggage that I that I love to do, it makes getting through the airport so easy. Uh, on most airlines, you can take two carry-ons, or you can take a carry-on luggage, and you can take a personal item that you keep in your lap or on, on the floor under the seat. So, I take a backpack. And I take the largest piece of carry-on luggage that you can that you can still stow on the overhead. So I never check a bag which does limit me because I can't take any firearms or knives or anything with me when you go that way because you're not checking anything. So I can't take uh, any weapons or tools like that. So I do read the rules as far as batteries and everything that I can have on the plane before I go. Um, And I try to follow. I do follow all the rules. 
but that just makes it so easy going through all the security and not having right. to find your bag and you're never late for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's one thing I do with luggage and just pack light. Most of the times you take more on these vacations than you need to anyway. Um, but some things that I take just from the survival side, I took a ferro rod and I take the striker away from it. In my mind, I can always find a striker if I have to have it. Uh, the, the metal frame of my watch, I can find something to strike this ferro rod. And I literally took just the rod, no string, no nothing to it, and I put it in with my pins in my backpack. Um, and so, yeah, they're going to see it when my bag goes through the, the scanners and all that, but most people aren't going to know what it is. They're not going to know what it's for. Yeah, did it get flagged or anything? Did you? Never did. So you're free. No. You went right through. Boom. It never did. Yeah, I had a metal cup. Uh, you know, we've talked before about how one of the hardest things to recreate in a survival situation is a cup to boil water to cook in. Um, so I took a metal cup and a Nalgene, and I just had that in the side of my backpack. And you could see it very clearly what it was, and it, it never raised any eyebrows. Uh, also took some cordage, some paracord. You never know what, what you need that for, whether you're in a land survival situation or a water survival situation. Cordage is, cordage is huge for a it lot is, of things. Yeah. And paracord yeah. is awesome because you can break it down into all its sizes and use it for fishing line. I mean, you can do so many things with it. Uh, but I also took a... Um, a big oversized orange poncho. I took orange because I figured if any survival situation that I was in that I would want to be found. So I took orange and then also with a poncho, uh, you, I mean, big oversized, you can make a shelter with it for, for multiple people. So I was thinking for me and my wife, that's why I got the, the big 80 by 80. Um, but you so, can use the hood and, and get water right, and do right. all kinds of stuff you, with it's it. It's multi-use for sure, yes. which is why you want to take it. Um, I think you already shared it, but let's share it real quick. Who all went on the trip with you? I mean, was it yeah, go so by it yourself was, or family? It was, uh, yeah, me and my wife and then her brother and his wife. There's so, four of us. So did you feel like you were maybe responsible for all of them? I did feel that way. Um, but I even, <laughs> I even get on a plane as I'm walking through the plane. I'm analyzing the people and how many wheelchair-bound people. I was on one flight. And there were seven wheelchair-bound people on, on one flight, and they all load them first. And I'm thinking, my goodness, but uh, be, they tell you to, but I definitely do when I'm on there. I see where my seat is in relation to the exits. Because mm-hmm. if you were to go down in the water or, or on land, like these windows are too small. There's no way, even if you're able to bust out the six layers of window, you're not crawling through that window. Your hips and, and shoulders can't fit through it. So you're going to have to get to an exit and in the water situation. I if a plane's going down and you can't get to an exit, then that that's probably going to be your end. So just kind of analyzing and being aware of those things. Before people think I'm crazy, I realize the odds of uh, air, a commercial airline having a crash or malfunction. I realize the stats are low, but we live, breathe it, teach it, and I'm going to live what we breathe and teach. Um, and also even if it is a, a low thing, when it happens, you still have had to have prepared for it. If you yeah. haven't prepared, then it, you're done. <laughs> it's not, It's not. will it happen? It's when is it going right. to for somebody somewhere. So And something we've discussed off mics, Ben, that I, I would like to say, you know, if it was just me and I was by myself and I didn't have kids to go, to go back home to, if it was just me and my wife, then... Well, I'd just live wherever wherever I was. I just think that this is where God wanted me to be. But I, I have responsibility and love and passion to get back to. Um, yeah. And so that's why I prepare a little bit with some survival items. It would still be very difficult with the little bit that I was able to take. And to answer your question, no, none of the survival stuff that I brought was 
ever raised any eyebrows. The only thing I, I carry a, a just a small flashlight in my pocket. It's part of my everyday carry, and I had that on me. Clips on my pocket. It's a black metal flashlight. And as I set that down in the tub to go through the thing, one of the security officers picked it up, read every word that's written on the side of it, looked at each end, really, really gave it a once over. Um, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I want that to be known. I appreciate that they're doing their job on that. But that was just the one time. Actually, people, my brother-in-law and his wife, they had more issues going through security because they had like spray deodorant or um, uh, a workout supplement powder. They had to have drug tested and things like that. So my survival stuff, nobody gave two, two rats about. But if you're going to have any fluids or powders in your bag, you're probably going to get stopped and checked. Right. That. You know, I also want to add that I'm thankful that I'll, we'll call it TSA, any, no matter what country you're in, um, any kind of checking, I appreciate because if they're going to take away everything that I would want to take to protect me and my family, then they better be doing that for every single person on that plane. Yeah. If not, I'm going to be ticked. Yeah. They should be doing <laughs> it's it. It's going for down. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, they should be, and they should be monitoring it if they're going to yeah. keep us from doing it. So now that we've kind of talked about pre trip, you're on the trip. Now we're getting into feelings. Mm -hmm. I want to hear the emotions. You talked, you've already brought up about, you know, where's the enforcement? Where's the law, right? But share with us, how did you feel while you were there? Were you relaxed? Did it feel safe? Were you on edge constantly? Um, were, were you worried about leaving the resort? Did you leave the resort? Kind of share that that whole feeling, the the emotions that you had on your trip. Yeah, you know, we kind of did a little research before looking at the, the popular areas that tourists go, not on the resort, and areas that they say you shouldn't go and, and why. And in some more research, getting home, understanding that more, more of why you shouldn't go to some of these areas. But to answer your question, uh, it's a long day of travel. You know, anywhere that where we live, we have to have, we don't have any straight through international flights where we live. We have to. I had to drive two hours to the airport and then fly from a small airport to a bigger airport and then a bigger airport to on, on this international flight to actually get to Jamaica. So it, it ends up being about a 14-hour total day of of travel. So tired, you know, how that, that kind of travel thing. But mm -hmm. I never truly relaxed till we got to the resort. And I was really, we were all, we were really, really hungry. It was like 6 p.m. We left at 5 in the morning. We got there, I think, at 6 p.m. So it was like, 13 hours. Did they feed you a meal on the plane or was it just snacks? Just snacks. We That's got snacks. pretzels. Uh, right. See, on one flight, we got uh, Biscoff cookies. Oh, yeah. Those are good. And, and uh, I like those with coffee. And then on the this next one, we got some some pretzels. Yeah. So, yeah. A little, little bit of snacks. Pretzel and water, Biscoff coffee. You got it made. You get something to keep you alive, for yeah. sure, <laughs> to, to keep your blood sugar up a little bit. But knowing it was kind of... That, that car ride was kind of looming over us. My wife gets motion sick. And so the way that they drive kind of just with this almost no rules, swerving in and out, and some of the really, the roads are really swervy on some of the other Caribbean islands we've been on before, I was really worried about her. So knowing that, did you plan ahead and prepare for that? Yeah, we uh, we brought Dramamine for her. Good. We wanted to make sure that she she had some Dramamine. And we were also being trying to be pretty diligent and, and hydrating. A lot of times when you when you travel, it's easy to not hydrate well. And also changing that, going up to 35,000 feet in an airplane, it's hard on your body. People don't realize that. And hydrating is one of the best things you can do to combat the headache and the, the 
and the acid in your stomach, all these things that are changing because of uh, the the elevation, water is the best thing you can do for that. So we were trying to hydrate. We were being diligent in that. And then, yeah, we had some medicine for her and tried to pick a place for her to sit on this bus where she could see where she needed to. There's certain places you can sit and have vision that can help with the motion sickness. Um, but our driver was so good going to the resort. I mean, it did take, it was just under two hours, but he was kind of giving us a tour as well, but he's also going very slow. And he told us, he's like, I'm going to drive slow. He's like, he said, I'm the no problems driver. And I was like, okay, that's giving me a little bit of, of confidence there. But he knew that we're all American or European and we're not, we're not used to that. He kind of had that understanding. So the drive there was really, it wasn't bad. She didn't get sick at all. Once we got there, 6 p.m., we checked into our room, starving. We didn't eat lunch. We hadn't right. eaten since we hadn't eaten since 7 in the morning. I guess the, the pretzel snacks, but we really, really wanted a meal. And so we're like, well, where's the, where's the closest restaurant on our property to go eat? And they're like, oh, it's Jamaica, man. We don't serve food till 6.30. And I was like, what? So we had to wait till 6.30 to even get into the restaurant so we were first in line we get in we get up there we get set down as an hour and a half before they put any food in front of us wow that's a so long they were time. kind of explaining to us on the ride like don't get in a hurry here this is jamaican time when they give you a time it's you got a 30 minute window on either side of the time they gave you um and that's just how things flow and how they go and so by by eight o'clock we were finally eating some food um, and then we, that's when we learned about how different the portion sizes are compared to American portions. So we all ordered off the menu, uh, an appetizer and an entree. Um, and that was probably, I'd say is about a quarter of the size of, of a meal that I would normally eat. Right. Yeah. For you. For me. And there was two to four of you to. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot of food, but learning that going forward, I ordered three entrees the rest of the week and it took a couple of days to really get into that flow of. If they say 8.30, they mean 9 o'clock. If you're going to get to the beach at 7.30, you're not going to have towels because nobody's going to put any towels out till 9. Like it, You'll hear people talk about Caribbean time or Jamaican time, and it's, it's a real thing. And I also want to say this. Everything I've ever heard about Jamaica, the way they speak, Jamaica mind, yeah so, mind, so everything I've ever heard, the stereotypes I've ever heard, right. I don't even really want to call them stereotypes. Because for stereotypes, you have people it's true for and people it's not. It's full on true. That's the way everybody talks there. The flow, the time, that's the way people are. Some people even consider it rude to even ask what time it is there. Hmm. You don't see a lot of them wearing watches. I mean, it is just a low, key, relaxed. If it happens when it happens, it happens. And everybody's acting like that there. So very different. Back to my original question: How did you feel? Did you feel relaxed, on edge? After now you're there, you got some food in you, you're seeing a little bit of the culture. Yeah. How's Brian feeling right now? Well, one where we were was beautiful. I mean, and it was full moon. Mm-hmm. So bright, beautiful. We walked down to the beach like within the first ten minutes. We were there while we were waiting for, to get to be able to go to a restaurant. And the sand was just pure white, no rocks, no shells, no nothing. So I was kind of in awe of how beautiful it was and all the jungle and tropical plants. So starting to really relax. But it, like I said, it took me two, 
full days before my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, all right, we, we get the flow of this place and this feels really good. It felt good. It felt really good to, to relax. I told you and I told my wife before I left, I have a goal. I'm going to take one nap. While I was there, I want to take one nap one day, and that is exactly what I, I hit my goal. I took one nap one day, um, but there's so much going on that I actually had to remove myself from the beach and the pool areas. I had to remove myself and, and go to the balcony of my room to, to take a nap, but uh, it was nice to be able to sneak away for an afternoon and, and get 30 minutes of a shut eye because in our in my busy life and in a lot of people's busy lives, naps aren't a reality. Yeah, well. You talked about flora and fauna. You shared a little bit about what the beach looked like. You talked about the jungle. Yeah. Um, with the with Jamaica's flora and fauna, how did that make you feel? When you looked around, what did you see? What did you not see? Well, here at home in the Ozarks, that's what I've been here my whole life. It's what I've studied. And I look around, and I don't know everything. I absolutely don't, and I never will, but... N- most things I can look around and, and know what they are, and there I knew nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. I say nothing. If I saw a dove, I could tell it was a dove, but it's not a kind of dove I had ever seen before, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, I knew, I know a fish if I see a fish, a bird if I see a bird, but I felt, I don't want to say uncomfortable, I felt almost out of control. Because as I'm walking down these sidewalks, where we were staying is kind of these bungalows, so it was like this two or three room in each building, and these buildings are spread out along the beach, but between all that is just sidewalks through jungle. And so looking at all these amazing plants and so many beautiful flowers, and there's so many different ones. I mean, you walk through a forest here, and you may see like 100 hickories and 100 oaks, and we just don't have a lot of diversity as far as our hardwoods and there it's like you've got your palms and your coconuts are are kind of predominant but you have so many different jungle species and I don't know what any of them are at all so it did feel weird not knowing what any of it is you don't know what's safe you don't know if you can eat it touch it smell it you don't know if it attracts venomous snakes I, I know none of that so it kind of gives you that you do put your guard up a little bit I wanted to go and explore but still kind of have that uneasiness so were you more comfortable doing that in the water or on land in regards to exploring and, and looking around? Well, I don't even know if I've told you this. The one animal that I am scared the most of is sharks. And I looked up before I left sharks on Seven Mile Beach in Jamaica. And what I found was it is one of the most shark-free, safest places you can go so that gave me some ease however there Mm -hmm. was a youtube video from 2013 of a shark swimming right up to uh guests right up to them in like three feet of water at the resort that i was going to right yeah and so i realized it did happen but it was like a lemon shark or something so it's not even a species that you need to be afraid of so i felt comfortable getting into the water and especially when i started walking out into the water and i didn't feel I mean, you feel nothing. It's just pure sand. No rock, no shell. You weren't even worried about stubbing your toe. And they had a swim area blocked off with with buoys. And it went out about 100 yards. And I could walk all the way to it. It was about six feet deep when you finally got out there. So I wasn't super worried right there. And so I, I felt pretty comfortable. I really did. The reason I'm asking is because, you know, people listening... Um, some of our participants we've had and, and some of our classes, 
when they think about the wilderness, when they think about getting off the sidewalk, it scares them. Mm-hmm. It keeps them from a lot of times going out and, and exploring. You know, they even make they they feel just like you described. I don't know what these trees are. I don't know what's in this water. I don't know what can hurt me. Yeah. What can't. So, for someone listening that's that's never been to Jamaica or maybe even never been to the wilderness, what did it take for you as you were going through those emotions? You know, you were going to relax. That was your goal to relax, check out, relax. But isn't it crazy that you're going to do that at a place that you've never been? That's probably not as safe as where you live right now. Right. But you're going there to relax. How does that even make sense? Yeah, it, it is. It is weird because there is that uncomfortable. I would say educating yourself a little bit. Right. Because before I went, I did. I looked up what the shark situation there was. I you looked did. up what kind of mammals and stuff you may see around where we were staying. And, and really what I found was not much of anything, some bats, you know, and these bats aren't going to mess with you. They actually are less diseased than our bats even here. Um, you kind of have to think about where you are. I mean, the jungle does have a lot of things. So the first several nights I, I wasn't comfortable enough to go into the jungle. And, and later on I was, which was really cool because it was filled with, with crabs at night. So I could take my flashlight and go find all these crab holes and there's just crabs everywhere it was really cool to watch and see and i tried to catch one but i was not fast enough so i was asking the locals how do i catch one and and he showed me that you run and you stomp <laughs> was it kind of a joke maybe a little I, bit I kind of a... <laughs> i don't know if he's pulling my chain for his series or not because yeah then he was telling me this color you eat this color you don't this color you don't definitely don't eat but if you get this color you have to prepare it different than this color and by then, I, I was like, okay, I just, just want to know if you could eat some of yeah. them. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, and there were crabs on the beach during the day, too, that would pop out really fast. And I was trying to sneak up and catch them, and I couldn't. But really educate yourself on what is there, and then what is there. Can it even hurt me? For instance, a crab. Okay, can a crab pinch you? Well, absolutely, but what is that? Is it gonna, it's going to hurt for a second, so who cares? So truly think about what you're, what you're fearful of. Right. Um, another, another example I would give is there was a bunch of people there who wouldn't go on the beach at night, Mm. tourists staying there Mm -hmm. because somebody had talked about sand fleas and how itchy their ankle was. And I thought, well, am I going to go out here and miss on the beauty of the moon shining off, off this water and to see the crabs and to experience the beach at night because I might get itchy on my ankle? Like I I could deal with that. You know, it's not definitely not going to kill me and I may not even get it. Their story may not even be true. So you right. have to kind of weigh like, yeah, there may be a consequence, but is the consequence really going to affect my life? A, a crab pinch or a, a itchy flea bite is not really that much of a consequence, if, right. you, if you see what right. I'm saying. Well, good. Absolutely. Not putting sunscreen on would be more of a consequence than getting a, a sand flea bite. Right. No, and that's great. Education is important. I think that's why you and I set out to even start this business, which educate others, because we want people to go out and have those experiences. A lot of people will have fear, drive what they do, and they do not get to get out and go see and explore and play and have fun, right? And to relax. And that's what really amazes me that that we leave our comforts to go to places to relax. Right. And so, you know, thinking about what you've already shared, a lot of it is you you had the permission to go out to have no responsibility. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's what true relaxing is, is that you've been given this permission, hopefully, if you're doing it all the time, you're doing it for selfish reasons, then then you're probably going to be uneasy and not, not truly being able to relax. But you have the permission to go out 
and not have the responsibility to really do anything but take care of you. And there's really not a whole lot you need besides a little bit of sleep and then food and water when you're not sleeping, right? Yeah, and, and at a place like that, my wife and I were really excited to try all the Jamaican culture, uh, all of all their food. Right. Um, and we'd been to resorts before in other countries well, share, where... Well, share that with us. What was what did you eat? What, and you may think of this because you mentioned just eat a little bit, and the food was awesome. It was really it was really good. But we've been to other places, uh, Mexico, for instance, and some other resorts, they cater so much to to the North Americans and, and the Europeans that are, that are coming there that they're trying to serve them their food. When really, for us personally, we want to try their food. They're going to do it better than we do it here. So let, let us try your culture, your food. And so I didn't know what it was going to be like at the resort, but it was awesome. We got to try all the Jamaican staples and, and they're, they're very, they're very passionate and proud of what they have as they should be because it's really cool. So they have like a national fruit that they serve for breakfast and they have like this traditional Jamaican breakfast and traditional lunches. And of course, the one that most people know is Caribbean or uh, Jamaican jerk seasoning which theirs is even different than ours. It's kind of a, a spicy barbecue type seasoning. Theirs isn't quite as, as spicy as the jerk stuff I've had in America. It's on, it's like we've we've done it done it up too much. I love spicy, but theirs was better. Like it it was really full of flavor. So they they put it on everything. They put it on your cheeseburger. They put it on your chicken. They put it on your wings. You can really have it on anything, and, and it's really good. They do a good job with it. But one thing that kind of stood out to me that I ate all the time was the fresh seafood. Mm-hmm. I love fish and, and fresh seafood and something it's it's so easy for them to get there so it's cheap and they do a really good job with it everything they serve there is fresh a lot of people don't even have refrigerators and they don't serve a, a lot of fruit and vegetables with preservatives like we do here so my wife loved the pineapple and they have a bunch of different kinds of pineapple but every morning for breakfast they had all this fresh fruit I mean literally chopping it up as they're serving it to you but the pineapple was pale and white and if you got pineapple like that here in the u.s you wouldn't touch it you're like well that's not ripe i'm not going to eat it you go to walmart you buy a pineapple it's this bright deep yellow and you're like oh that's the sweet tasty one i want that but theirs wasn't like that so i kind of led to believe like is the sweet the yellow is that something we're putting on our pineapple here mm. but they they were saying with fresh fruit like that, even if you put it with no preservatives, you just go pick fresh fruit and you put it in your fridge, it's still only going to be good for a couple of days. Right. And this pineapple was white, but it was so sweet and so flavorful and crisp and full of juice. And my wife had that every single morning for breakfast. <laughs> and I had good. some too. It was good. It was really good. But my favorite was the fish. So they would go out and they would catch fresh marlin and they would smoke the marlin. It was just smoked. It wasn't cooked. And so a lot, they serve it for breakfast. And so I had smoked marlin for breakfast. They have a lot of snapper for lunch and for supper. So serving that different ways. Um, it was lobster season. I saw some people eating lobster. I don't know that I, I don't think I ever had lobster, but they do, they make a lot of sushi there, which was really good. Um, but our favorite was what they call patties. And we actually came across it by accident. So it had a little grill on the beach and that was where you could walk up in your swim trunks and, and no shoes and, and order some some food for lunch take it back to the pool or the beach and eat it and so i went up and i ordered it and my wife said well that chicken patty thing at the top i guess that's a chicken sandwich i was like oh yeah i'm sure it's chicken sandwich so i ordered it they brought it out to me and it looked like a 
almost like a it was like the shape of a taco, but it was like almost like toaster strudel, like that flaky mm. breading. Mm-hmm. It didn't mm-hmm. wasn't sugary, but inside of it was all these Jamaican spices and, and chicken and I don't know if it was cheese or not, but they also had a beef one. But that's what they called a patty. And so they had a beef patty and chicken patty. And once we stumbled across it and had it the first day, we had it every single day because they were so good. And that's we kind of began to figure out that was one of their staples. But the thing they are most proud of is called aki. It's their national fruit. They're, I heard them telling me about it the first couple of days. You have to try aki. Have you had aki yet? No. What is it? It's a fruit. You have to have it. Well, I got to breakfast the next day, and they had, it said traditional Jamaican breakfast. Aki and saltfish. I thought, huh. And I looked at it, and it looked like yellow squash. Hmm. And so I spooned me some up. It was hot. Spooned me up some aki and yellow saltfish on my plate. And then they had uh, a bin of biscuits there. And I asked the lady, and she said, well, that's what you eat your aki with. That's what you scoop your aki with onto your spoon. And so I picked it up, and it was basically like a, it was a ball of fried dough, almost like a donut texture, but no sugar, no nothing, just fried dough. And so you take these dough, and you push push your aki and saltfish onto your spoon, and the only what I don't know exactly what saltfish are, <laughs> and I don't know exactly what aki is. Mm-hmm. It tasted like yellow squash and anchovies, and maybe huh. some butter and seasoning. Really was with wasn't cornbread? bad. With a little bit of cornbread? <laughs> No, not even cornbread. It was yeah, it was like an unsugared donut. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And so it was good, different, so different than than our breakfast. But that's what they all eat. That's what they all love. I don't know exactly what saltfish is, but it tastes like anchovies. And aki is not yellow squash. It's actually grown on a tree. Oh wow! I looked at my wife and I said, "This is yellow squash. Like right. it's just yellow squash." They're calling it aki. Well, then I looked it up, and no, it's actually a, a, a yellow fruit that grows on a tree, but it's kind of, it tastes like squash. It tastes just like it to me. Wow. Yeah. More like vegetable than fruit. Like, it's yeah. not so sweet. I, I I liked it, but very, very, very different than anything that we eat. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So it sounds like a lot of different foods that you got to experience, which is great. Um, talked about culture, kind of getting in that culture. We started with food. Share with us, I know you've, you've told me some stories before this, Um so just kind of share how you want to, but you know what what are the the people like? Um, what was the experience like in regards to those relationships with the people that that you came in contact with? Um, maybe both guests. You know, you had people coming from into the country just like you, and that you mm-hmm. you had experiences with them um, versus maybe the ones that live there. Um, also, share this the ones that live there, the ones that you engage with down at the beach versus the ones that you engage with, you know, at the resort. Yeah. Um, what are some of the differences there with, with the people, the culture and, and your, your experiences from your perspective? Right. So when we started our commute from the airport to our resort, our driver said, in Jamaica, if you don't ask us questions, that tells us you don't like us. So please ask questions along this drive. And man, as we started driving, in my mind, I'm thinking, how in the world couldn't anybody not ask questions? Because it was so different. It's just so different from our Western culture. And the and I want to I want to say it gently because I don't want to I don't. To be honest, we we know Jamaicans. We have Jamaican friends here in the United States. 
It was poor, and it looked gross and nasty. Uh, you drove by a river or stream, and some places it was solid across with trash. Hmm. Mm. It was very different there because if you if there's government land, and you want to put a business on it, you don't have to do anything. You just get you some some boards and some tin, and you put up a little hut, and and you can open a business there. But even as he's pointing out these businesses, well, this is the tire shop and the mechanic shop. And if you saw a place like that in the United States, you would never consider taking your vehicle there. You wouldn't. You would never take your vehicle there. If you saw where they were selling fruit, you wouldn't. You would not buy your fruit from that United States because you wouldn't feel safe. You wouldn't feel like, but it is safe. And, and those people are doing what they need to survive. Uh, Jamaica has, has had a very, very high unemployment rate. COVID hit them very hard because tourism is so important to them. Mm-hmm. And so with all the cruise ships and, and planes not going there because of COVID, they're recovering now, and you could tell their spirits were up because of that. But Some people may ask, did, uh, because of COVID, did you have to wear a mask from beginning to end ever anywhere you went? I never, I never once was asked. I was asked to respect people that were wearing masks, and the people that were wearing masks were asked to respect the people that weren't. I never once was asked to wear a mask. Um all the vehicles and things that we got in had signs that say you must remain six feet away and you must wear a mask at all times. Nobody wore a mask and nobody, we were stacked on top of each other touching shoulders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And there were vaccine clinics and testing clinics that we drove by along the way and they were completely vacant. Nobody working and, and nobody going to it at all. Mm. But you could see where they had been set up. Right. Recently. Right. Yeah. But no, not, not an issue at all. So to start a business, I could literally take a, a table and an umbrella uh-huh. and I could... Go occupy, to government land. Occupy a spot on the side there of the highway. And I can sell whatever I want. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Are you telling me whatever I want? Whatever you want. Yeah. What, um, what did you see for sale there that you might not have seen, uh, that you wouldn't see here in the States? I was offered, uh, I'm not going to say you wouldn't see it for sale here in the United States, but I was offered I was offered marijuana 50 to 100 times a day. Wow. I mean, it is it is part of the culture. Right. Um I don't want to use the word everybody, but most most people. I mean, even the the resort workers, everybody you're talking to, they're you know, did you smoke? Did you get some reefer? Um, and you just politely say no. And some of them are persistent. Some people, that's how they're making their living is is going up and down the beach, selling this. Um, but I was I was taken back at how poor they're how poor they were, how how. I don't even really know how to say it tactfully, but just rough, slum looking from even the way their animals looked mm. to... You mean their wild animals or their domesticated animals? The domesticated animals. Um, and and their domesticated animals were almost wild. Like you'd see a few places where, where there was a fence, where fences were and people had some cattle and some horses in there, but it was grazed down literally to dirt. There was nothing left. Down, I should say down to soil, since we've done a dirt versus down to soil, and, and those animals didn't look healthy. They look emaciated. Now there were animals that looked healthier, and they were, I would call free range. There was just goats everywhere. We dead cows on the highway, and then you see a lot of cows just out in random places with ropes around their necks and tied off to a tree with a hundred feet of rope. And so I asked about that. That was a question I asked, and it was like, well, yeah, that somebody owns them. They just come out each day and, and pick up the rope and move the cow. Oh, okay. I, that's different, but you'd see fields and and 
shrubby areas, and there'd be cows and goats sprinkled all through there and not a fence in sight hmm. anywhere. Chickens hmm. running up and down the road. A lot of dogs look like stray dogs, dogs with three legs and just kind of sick-looking dogs running all over uh, these, I'll call them communities because it is it was communities of people, but just to be so, honest, it was rough. Right, so most of what you're talking about was from the trip, so from the airport to the resort this is where that your hour, your almost two hour drive. This right. is where you you got to see a lot of this. But yeah. once you got to the resort, though, Americanized didn't see a lot of that out within the resort. Right, right, or around that resort. It's it's a little ways out from that. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> and isn't it a little ways out? Fifty feet. Oh, so okay. you've got the highway, the resort, the beach, and I mean, my room. Our hotel room at our resort room was on the back side of the resort, so furthest away from the ocean, closest to the highway. Um, and uh, for you hunters out there, if a deer would have been in the highway, it would have been in bow range from my room. So we're you know we're 30, 40 yards from the highway, um, and that was different. It was kind of loud. They have a lot of old motorcycles there, and no mufflers or modified mufflers, and they're really really loud. And the highway doesn't stop all night, so I did have to sleep with the TV on. I did, I did to kind of drown out that noise. We mm-hmm. slept with the TV on every night, and it helped, and that, it was fine. We slept fine, but it was different than at home, and we don't we don't have that that road noise here where where we live now. So it it, it was a change, but that highway is where all. I mean, that is the only road. There are there aren't roads going off through the jungle. It's just one road one up road. and down the coast. Everybody's I mean, traveling down. Everybody's the traveling road. this one way, um, and talking to a lot of the locals, some of them. Some of them travel an hour and a half. Most people, I would, you know, I'd ask, well, what time did you get here this morning? What time did you have to leave? Well, I had to grab a taxi at, at f- two in the morning, and I got here, and I've been working seventeen hours or whatever. I mean, it, things are harder for them. Yeah. They, they are harder for them in, in Jamaica. Absolutely. It, it, getting back to America, what I I just was overwhelmed with how comfortable and easy we have it. it really was, even though it's beautiful there. I mean. I've been to a lot of beaches and I've never, I've never seen the beauty like. It's just so beautiful. Uh, I was standing on the on the sidewalk on the edge of the beach one day, drinking a glass of water and and looking out over the the ocean. And one of the workers walked by that I had met earlier, and he was like, "What are you doing, man? Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm just taking in the beauty." And he kind of looked at me like I was strange. Mm-hmm. And he said, "All right, man, take it all in. You know, it's all yours." But it was worth stopping and just taking in. It really was something that was really different there. They don't the the resort nice resort five star accommodations. They don't hire pest control companies. Bugs really weren't bad. Maybe it's because it was really windy. Weather was just beautiful. Eighty five and sunny, low humidity, just awesome weather. No no bugs. But there were cats. Everywhere domesticated house cats. 30 or 40 of them at least on this resort. Mm. Just everywhere. So they were domesticated like? Domesticated, yes. They were feeding them there, but right. they, so asking what the, what the deal was. Um, and some of them, a lot of them, uh, I kept thinking I was seeing the same one, but they all would have one ear snipped, and that meant they were spayed or neutered. So they, they were taking care of them. They were feeding them and, and getting them spayed or neutered, but they were there to control the rodents because you have all these people all these tourists with 
you're allowed to take your food and drink on the beach through the jungle, wherever you want to, you're going to attract pests. Mm -hmm. And so these cats, I never saw a mouse, never saw a sign of a mouse or rat, nothing, no rodents at all. And why would there be if there's 40 cats? But during the day, they're, they're out on the beach lounging around, just being lazy cats. And then of a night, you even heard some cat fights at night. If you had your window open, you could hear some cat fights going on. But it was really strange just to have cats everywhere. I bet so. Yeah. 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 Especially domesticated. Like, they want them there. They're welcome there. Yeah. I know? mean, you could pet them if you wanted to. I didn't because I kind of had... You could tell... Um, some of them were, you kind of had patchy hair spots, like maybe they had some some ringworm or something like that. So I wasn't petting them and, and, and touching them, but people were. So you've talked a lot about the some of the local animals you've seen there, but as a biologist, did you see any awesome animals that, that yeah, you thought were awesome, that were cool? I did, and definitely was keeping my eye, my eye out the whole time. Um, I'll, I'll talk first about what I saw on land besides what I saw when I got to go out into the ocean, but... Across the street from our resort was a fitness facility, and it was big. They called it 10 acres. I don't know if it was 10 acres, but it was probably close to that. Basketball courts and tennis and, and weight rooms and all that. And I, I love to exercise, and so every morning my wife and I would go over there and at least walk, or we would just get active in the morning before we went and ate breakfast. Well, they had what they called a walking track, which is pretty much just a sidewalk that went around this whole fitness facility, but the edges of it went up along the jungle. And so we were walking this track over and over, just getting some miles in and enjoying a beautiful time in, in paradise together. And all of a sudden, and I was like, what the heck was that? And we look up, and in this plant that's kind of canopying over the sidewalk, beautiful flowers on this plant. The most amazing hummingbird I've ever seen in my life. Instantly know it's a hummingbird because of the, the size and the bill. But it had this amazing tail, like two two ribbons hanging off of its tail down and to be clear side. there's nothing like that here we don't have a no. hummingbird so you were like what is this right it's a hummingbird and, and the but what wings is this? and chest were this bright green and then you've got black body outside of that and then its bill was just bright red so immediately which the whole time i'm like i gotta get i gotta see some cool animals here so i was kind of just eager to get my phone out and take some pictures and video so get my phone in my pocket and this thing because it's up above us and the sky's so blue and it's tiny and dark, it was pretty close. I'm going to say 10 to 20 feet away from us, but it was so fast up against the blue sky. I could never get a really great... I'll, I'll put up on social media what I did get of it so people can see it, but it was so amazing. And so I was telling locals about this later and, and they were like, oh, that is our national bird. That is a, I want to say it right, they had so many different, some people called it different things, but the actual real name for it is a ribbon, red-billed, ribbon-tailed hummingbird. That's a mouthful. The only place it lives is in Jamaica. You'll see it nowhere else in the world. Hmm. And as their national bird, it's been featured in James Bond movies, and it was beautiful. It was really cool. When I told some of the locals that, when I'm saying that, I'm saying people that live there that worked at the resort, when I was telling them about that I saw this, a lot of them were like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And I was like, no, yeah, I didn't. I pull up my phone and show them the video, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you did. And only the males look like that. The females just look like our hummingbirds that we have here. So they were like, oh, man, you saw the male. That's our, that's our bird. I'm so glad you saw it. That's so cool. We don't see a lot of them. Looking online, it tells me that they're pretty common, but mm-hmm. they were telling me they don't see them very often. 
And when they do, it is kind of in the jungle. And we were, we were near the jungle where we were, but it made me really thankful that I was able to experience yeah. that. Me and my wife were able to see it up close and that I was, I have pictures and video of it. So it's cool. it pretty neat. And it's only found in Jamaica. Only in Jamaica. That's it's the, the only that's place so in the cool. world you can go to see it. Right. And then I really wanted to see a parrot because we don't have parrots here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, then I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to go up into the mountains or in the jungle to see these parrots. But one morning I was out on the beach before most people, there's hardly anybody out there. Um, walking down the sidewalk with my coffee and I look up and there's a parrot. It was really neat. Yeah. And, uh, again, up in the tree against the blue sky, hard to get good pictures or footage of it. The pictures I took make it look black, but it was actually green. The whole thing was green and it had this black build. And I asked them what they called it. And they said, we call it parrot. It's like, okay, well, do you have (laughs) different kinds of parrots? And they go, yeah, we have black build and red build parrots. And I was like, okay, creative people. That's funny. (laughs) It was a black build parrot. Okay. But what was unique about it, when I told somebody that I saw it there at the resort, one, they thought it was weird that I saw it at the resort, but I showed them right where I saw it. You could see in the picture where I was. And then they said, well, you probably saw a bunch of them. We always see them together. I said, no, it was by itself. You see weird things, man. You see weird things. You a weird man. <laughs> That's what one guy told me. I was like, okay. <laughs> see, <laughs> But I had proof. Yeah. So I yeah. wasn't lying. Uh, but besides the cool birds, which it really made me happy to see that. Didn't really see any mammals besides bats. So one night, uh, my wife and I went out on a, they called it a sunset catamaran cruise. So it was this huge, like 40-foot catamaran. And I'm going to say there were 75 of us on there. We got on it, and we went up the coast of Jamaica, up into what they call the bluffs. So the beach all of a sudden turns into these big bluffs. Um, and there's a there's a lot to talk about. I'm not going to go into all of that, but where we stopped, there was a huge cave with this house on top of it, and we got to jump off the catamaran and swim over to this cave. And the deal was, if we swam all the way to the back of the cave and made it back to the boat, we could go off the big slide that was going off the top of the boat down the water. Heck yeah, I'm going off that slide. I'm coming to Jamaica. I'm going to swim. I'm going to swim and enjoy enjoy this so we did we swam all the way into the back of the cave along with other people when we got in there there were all kinds of sea creatures on the walls urchins and things that i didn't know what they were so i was kind of trying to stay away from that but the bats were everywhere there were so many bats as you looked up they were like in these tight little groups just piled on top of each other on the ceiling and some of them were flying around but they were like four times the size of the bats that we have here. I don't know the species that they were, but they weren't the little brown guys that we see around here in the Ozarks. They were like four of those. They were they were really cool to see them flying around. A little almost eerie to be in this cave with bats flapping all around. And you're in the water, so it's not like you're going to escape quick. Right. Um, but yeah, swim back out, go off the slide, and, and you can see the all the star or the sea stars and, and everything down below. Even though it was 30 foot deep, the water was just so clear. Saw a sea turtle come up, which... I wanted to see that on our snorkeling trip, but we couldn't find the sea turtle that was on the reef. But I did get to see one come up beside our boat, and I was looking the opposite direction when the dolphins came up. Mm, but there were dolphins. There were dolphins, wow. but I missed them. You missed them. I missed them. Supposedly, they came like right off the nose of our boat, which I was standing on, but I was facing the back at the time that they came up. So gotcha. I didn't get to see them. Went on a snorkeling trip, went out to the reef, and man... You put that mask on, you jump in, and immediately you are just immersed in life. There there are fish everywhere, so many different colors and sizes and species, and I'm not a marine biologist, so I don't know any of them. Some of them I've seen before, but one got me a little bit. Um, it was really wavy, so a lot of the people that 
didn't weren't super comfortable swimming. I found it really easy because the salt water was so buoyant compared to our fresh water here. So mm. easy to swim. Right. I was kind of swimming off. They wanted us to stay away from the reefs because the waves will pull you up and then slam you back down and you'll get bruised and cut and broken bones and all this on the reef. So you had to stay kind of in between them. So I was swimming between these two big pieces of reef perpendicular away from our boat, but I was getting kind of further away from everybody else. And I was looking down at the bottom and I raised to look up to see where I was going and I could see about 20 yards out in front of me a fish that was like, I'm going to say four or five feet long. Big fish. Big fish. Yeah. Bigger than anything I'd seen yet. Yeah. And then I kind of looked at it again and I was like, oh, that's one. I know that one. That's a barracuda. Really? And I kind of stopped and I looked at it and it stopped and it turned towards me, checking me out just yeah. like I'm checking its out. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a barracuda. I'm going, so I turned around and swam back the other way because they're a, they're a toothy creature and, and they're aggressive. Not saying... If it was really unsafe and they just attacked everybody, we wouldn't be out there. But even when I got back to the boat and I told the captain, I said, hey, do you guys see Barracuda out here? I'm pretty sure I saw Barracuda. He's like, oh, yeah, I do not like him. I do not like him. Stay away from him, man. Okay. Yeah. I'll stay away from him. But, yeah, I got to see a big Barracuda out there and all kinds of other fish and sea cucumbers and and brittle sea stars. and It it was fun. Just I swam down to the bottom. It was about 12 feet deep. Swam down. I rolled over on my back and I just kind of laid and looked up. I, you couldn't look in any direction and not see a hundred fish. I mean, just every color, shape, and size, and it's just a whole different world down there, and it is beautiful, beautiful. Well, you know, you got back. I could definitely tell you were refreshed, man. I could tell you had so much fun. Um, even even on this podcast, you shared some things that you hadn't even shared with me yet. So, it sounds like you had a blast. Um, you know, it reminds me of. When I travel, you know, a lot of places I've been to, there has been a language barrier. Here in Jamaica, didn't sound like a language barrier. It sounds like a lot of them yeah, had that. English is their, is their language, yeah. Yeah, English is the main language, but it had some kind of maybe accent, you know. So maybe there was times where it was hard to hear people. But you guys could have uh, communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what, what I want you to share. Just from your experience, what was their demeanor like? You know, you and I used to work in a, at a restaurant it was a touristy place. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that showed up there sitting at our tables, you know, we, we were servers, would be like, you guys are so friendly. This place is so friendly. Right. And I, I'd be like, well, where are you from? Well, it's you my know? job to be like that. Well, yeah. yeah, it's my job to be like that. But I'd be like, where are you from? And they'd be like, West Coast. You know, I'm like, okay, I could see that. Uh-huh. How was it there? What's In regards to, we are used to being friendly here in the Ozarks. Uh, sometimes we go out of our way to be too friendly. We open those doors, say hi. What was that relationship like? What was that experience like in Jamaica? Right. So I'm going to say it is like a lot of places. Um, and, and the culture there is a little different. They were nice and they were doing their job well. But a lot of times it was kind of in America, it would have been considered rude because they were very short. So you go up to say you go up to a the grill to order. What do you want? And in America, it, you would get that sometimes, but it was almost... You want to be like, excuse me? Yeah. 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 Because is that, what do you want? And if you walked up to them, and sometimes if you walked up to them and didn't say anything, they would just stare at you. Like, you're going to speak to me first. Mm. Very, um, very, very good at treating the women well. 
And what I mean by that is they're going to take the woman's order first. It doesn't matter if you start to talk or not. They're going to cut you off and take take your wife's order first, fill their drinks first. They treat the women very well. Um, I wish we did that better, here, yeah. to be honest with you. Right, that's an awesome example. Yeah, they, they set first. a really good example about the way they take care of their women. Um, to be honest, when somebody had a what I call a genuine smile where you could see wrinkles and creases in their face and was what I would call happy, it stood out to me. It was almost obscure because a lot of them a lot of the people working there almost acted like it was the last place on earth that they wanted to be. And working at the resort, there are standards that they have to live up to. So you really, it is hard to judge an entire country off of one resort experience. I didn't even really go, I didn't go into the mountains. I didn't go into the agricultural towns. I didn't, I didn't go into those areas. So I don't want to judge the whole country off of this, but where I was, you really had, two groups of people. You had the people that were very clean cut working at these resorts, working long hours, working hard to make sure. And dealing with tourists is tough. You and I have mm-hmm. done it. Mm-hmm. People are privileged and entitled and rude themselves. Right. Wears you out. It wears you out. Mm-hmm. That's why we quit doing it because it wears you out. <laughs> yeah. But you've got the beach, <laughs> the beach locals. Mm-hmm. And they're not well-groomed. Not well dressed, sometimes not dressed. Um, some of them with physical, some of them missing parts of their bodies. Some blind, some can't see. Most of them selling drugs. Mm. Most of them selling drugs. All of them are on that beach with the intent of getting you to give them your money. Right. Because of that, it is so. The first full day on the beach, I'll be very honest. I was annoyed. I was annoyed. I was on the beach to relax, and I was pestered and I was bugged by the locals to the point of uh, annoyance. They were just trying to make a buck to get by. Selling drugs, marijuana, mainly there, isn't a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. It's 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 illegal, but it's decriminalized, um, and basically, you're not supposed to do it, but you're not really going to get in trouble for it, and so you just get offered. I mean, they're literally walking up and down the beach saying, I've got mushrooms, I've got brownies, I've got pre-rolls, I've got buds. I mean, they're out loud trying to sell you drugs over and over and over and over again. And I was annoyed by it, kind of mad. And then... Uh, so they have no security? There was no one there to really keep there it, was keep There it was security hired by the hotel, and basically what they did was they, they wouldn't run these people off, but they kept them from coming up to us. So they made sure they stayed, I'll say, 20 or 30 yards from us. They wouldn't let them come all the way up to us. So if you faked asleep or were just stubborn until they left, but most of the time you just say, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. Um, but it, it wears on you because they didn't just take the first no thank you and was like, I'm not going to sell to that person. 13 times they're going to ask you, the same person's going to ask you again, and there's a hundred of them. So you get asked so many times throughout the day, and some of them are playing music, trying to make money, and they're not good at playing music, and you're like, I really just want to read my book and lay here in the sun. But then you've got these people that work at the resort. They, they're they well-groomed. They are working. They're working for their living for, for another person, much like, much like you would see here in the U.S., but 
just because we don't have the beaches where we live, you still have the same type of thing going on on the beach. And I actually asked somebody that worked at a resort, you know, what is the difference between you, a, a Jamaican here at the resort? Because it seemed like there was a lot of jobs, new construction resorts going in. These resorts are huge and you have landscapers and, and housekeepers and cooks and bartenders. There's a lot of jobs to keep this resort going at the level it was going. And there's a whole bunch of resorts. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, man, there's a lot of jobs. So why are these people out here trying to sell me drugs when they could be up here with a secure living? And and basically what they told me was it's a pattern. Your family sets a pattern and you've got these generations of, of, of this poor style of living and, and how they get by is kind of more, it's going to be weird to compare selling drugs to biblical times, but they're just trying to make enough. They're trying to sell enough pre-rolled joints for the day that they can go get them and their family some fresh fish and crabs to go buy that and and live in their hut for the night and they go back and do it again the next day. But what I took from that, it was still a choice. Mm -hmm. They're still making a choice to live that way. And even in Jamaica, which is impoverished and the way more tough to live than the United States, they're still making the choice to live that way. We all face choices our whole life every single day. And so they're making the choice to live that way. And that was good for me to hear but it still broke my heart. And my second day on the beach, I moved from annoyed um, to emotional. I actually cried a little bit as I was I was sitting there reading my Bible and my heart broke for these people. Um, where I failed was I never did share the gospel with any of them because I was scared. We talked about fear earlier. Um, I, I was. I was fearful. I never did share it with any of them. And, and that's something in hindsight I wish I would have done. But for me, I was emotional a little bit of heartbreak that they thought they had to live that way. They make it, they were making that choice because they thought that that's how they had to live. Um, and in their minds, they're going to tell you that's a good life to live. Well, they're, well, they're, um, at Jamaica, if there's no enforcement. So even though it was illegal, decriminalized, as you said, you saw, you didn't really see any, we'll call them police officers, police. There was no discretion. I mean, they're carrying it in their hands. Right. They're not even in a bag. So why not? Why not sell it? If no one's telling me that I can't, right, right, and and you've if, got a bunch of tourists that are coming to 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 live that way, yeah. And I wanted to make that point before we close this. And there's so much more I could share, even just from a week, but going. We started this with talking about rest, and I watched around me. So many people going there to rest but doing it in sin. And so I want to encourage you to rest, but be careful of the way that you are resting. Rest in Him. Rest in His Word. Rest in His beauty and His creation. If you're drunk or you're high, you're disconnected spiritually. It's You're grounded. You're grounded, in, and you're not truly resting it's hard on your body. It's hard on your spirit. So if you're going to go rest, rest in him. Take in, go snorkeling, enjoy his activities. Um, but it was very much uh, what I would call party culture. And there was a lot of people there who I thought were missing out on the rest opportunity that was before them. Mm-hmm. If if that makes sense. No, it, it does. I mean, sounds like and to, uh, alcohol, you know, drugs. Um, probably some other stuff there you could buy as well that we won't talk about that that people may have been going there to seek. Um, you're gonna find that everywhere. Yeah. You know it, that's the sad part that it is 
seem to be everywhere more and more and more. And so, um, truly seeking relaxation, I, I believe you did that. And, and, uh, I imagine you had an impact, a positive impact on a lot of the people that you met. Um, you know, you, you have you shared a lot of stories with me that we weren't able to cover here today about, uh, a lot of the servers and waitresses and, and, uh, the people that clean the resort and, you had a lot of awesome encounters with with people and yeah, uh, even the other the other patrons, other tourists at the resort, getting yeah. to meet them and hear their story. It, that's so fun for me. You know, people from New York and, and Tennessee and California and playing sand volleyball with people from other states and other countries, and getting to hear their passion for it always comes back to the relationships. Mm-hmm. They're sharing the passions. It always ends up their family, their kids, and. Um, the work they do, a lot of them that had jobs that was really meaningful and passionate to them, they wanted to share that. It was really cool to get to know people that way, but it's the same for everybody. It always it always goes back to the relationships they have through their family and their work. That's what everybody wants to share. That's who makes us who we are. And that's how I want you to wrap up for us. I want you to tell everybody um, what is one thing that you learned that you didn't know before going and close it up for us. Well, I'll say this. It's not necessary. I guess you could say that I, I learned it, but it's really something that becomes comfortable and we take for granted. Going through, so they have, I believe it's 14 parishes in Jamaica. Jamaica as a whole, the whole, the whole thing of Jamaica is the same size as Florida, to put that in perspective, but much smaller in population. Florida has 20 million people, I think, and uh, Jamaica has 2.8 million people in, in the whole thing. And so it, not a lot of people, but everybody lives in these same areas. And so I went through two different capitals of, of these parishes, two parishes, and I went through both of their capital cities. And to say that it was different than our capital cities would be an understatement. Their capitals are like our slums, and that's their capital. So people are living that way. Millions of people are there living that way, and, and they're fine. But we are so, so comfortable and in the U.S. and everything is nice. Even our nice stuff is nicer than, than their nice. Even our not nice stuff is nicer than their nice stuff. The United States is the most comfortable, commercialized, nice country in the world. Of all the places and all the that we are the nicest, even with what we have going on now that, uh, that upsets us. And so I said to my wife, I said, it is beautiful here, but I would really struggle to live here. I'm so thankful that I live in the United States. God could have put me, he could have put my spirit in anybody, in any country, anywhere in the world. And he put me here. And I'm so thankful for that. Didn't deserve it. I'm thankful for it, and, and, I'm, and I, I feel like I'm blessed because of it. But I also, the other side of it was those people, are they're fine. They're living their life. They're, they're fine. And so we don't need all that we think that we need. Um, but it, it did make me grateful for what I do have. It's good. It's yeah. really good. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm so glad you're back. Can't wait to, to continue to, uh, to do some in-person programs, keep these uh, podcasts going with you. Yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope everybody kind of enjoyed something different here. Uh, it doesn't necessarily completely fit what we do as as far as outdoor education, but you know, 
we feel like people want to hear from us and, and, and learn what we're doing, and we hope that you're enjoying listening to this. We would love your support. Please hit the automatic download so you're getting every episode. Subscribe, uh, whatever platform you're listening. We really, to be honest, we need more ratings and reviews um, on iTunes. So if you listen on iTunes, please leave us a rating or review. That will really, really help us. We need some more. Uh, going into 2023, we have a lot of dream and a lot of vision and direction that we want to go. So we would greatly appreciate some financial support. Um, the easiest way to do that is, is become a patron through Patreon. And how you find our Patreon, there is a link on our Facebook. There's a link on top of our Instagram and on top of our TikTok. It's a link tree. So when you click it, it's going to show you all of our accounts from our website to our Patreon to our Instagram. Click on the Patreon one. And it'll show you how to sign up through through Patreon you can either give us $5 a month, you can pledge $10 or $25 a month, and, and we would appreciate any of it. Uh, it would really help us because it does take a lot of our time to produce this, and it does cost money to, to be on the platforms and for the equipment and all that. So we would really, really appreciate that. Um, if you have any topics or things that you would like to hear us do coming up, we're planning 2023 right now, so we would love to get that on the docket. Feel free to message us through you know, any of the social media accounts. We hope that you guys are preparing your hearts for the celebration um, of the birth of our Savior for Christmas. And we hope that you'll be back for our next episode. But between now and then, find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.